you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Hello, and welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. Trick or treat. With Halloween around the corner, I wanted to make this episode the Halloween special. I will be reading a few scary stories that I found on the internet. So, if you scare easy, consider this your warning. And for those brave enough who did decide to stay, I hope that you're somewhere cozy with a hot drink in your hand and dim lights. Now, close your eyes and allow your imagination to take you on this journey. I'll see you on the other side. The Shadow I didn't know what it was called until much later. I was living in a house in Laguna Beach that had been there since the 1920s. In its history, it had been a speakeasy, a brothel, and a house for smuggling illegal immigrants. One day, my new wife and I were having an argument. I can't even recall what it was about. She walked down the block to get a cup of coffee and cool off, and I was alone in the house. The way the place was built was incredibly haphazard. There was a bedroom and a living room on one side, then a bathroom with two entrances. On the other side of the bathroom was a hallway that had windows in one side and two bedrooms on the other. From my bedroom, I could look across the hall into the bathroom, then through the bathroom and down to the other hall. I was standing in my dresser, and I just noticed movement out of the corner of my eye, and I looked down there. There was, and honest to God, this gives me goosebumps 17 years later, there was a black figure. It was maybe three feet tall, and it was vaguely humanoid. It looked like black scribbles, like someone had scribbled a human shape but the scribbles moved, like electricity. That's the best way to describe it. There was no sound that I could remember. I distinctly remember when I saw it. I wasn't afraid. I was just like, what the? Then it noticed me looking at it. I can't say it turned around. It just focused on me, I guess. Then I was scared. I didn't move, didn't scream, nothing. I was just frozen. It just came at me. It rushed down the hall towards me. I have no idea what it intended, but as soon as it entered the bathroom, the door closest to me just slammed shut on it. I screamed. I yelled for my wife. She wasn't home. I went outside into the daylight and I didn't go back until she got home 10 minutes later. I don't believe in ghosts, 
I don't believe I saw something supernatural. But I know I saw something. I don't know what it was. The Bell Witch Perhaps one of the most notorious ghosts in the world, Tennessee's Bell Witch legend has been around for over 200 years. In the early 1800s, John Bell moved his family to northwestern Tennessee's Red River Settlement. A few years later, Bell encountered a strange animal sitting in the middle of his cornfield. The animal had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. And when Bell attempted to kill this creepy creature, it ran away. The family soon after began hearing mysterious knockings, rattling chains, faint whispering, and even dog bites in the dead of night. For years, the Bell family kept their troubles a secret. Finally, John Bell shared his family trouble with his neighbors. And soon the entire region had heard of the Bell's Witch. After years of torment, John Bell was mysteriously poisoned. And the spirit's visits became far less frequent. A number of theories attempt to explain the witch's presence, blaming a series of women, including Betsy Bell herself. But some local folk still insist that strange things still happen around the Red River Settlement and blame the Bell Witch. The Troubled Life of Roland Doe This story, the true story of The Exorcist, begins in the late 1940s in suburban Washington, D.C. with a German-American family. Their 13-year-old boy, believed to be named Ronald Hunkler, later referred to as Roland Doe, was despotent over the loss of his beloved aunt, Harriet. Harriet was a spiritualist who taught him many things, including how to use a Ouija board. In early January 1949, shortly after Harriet's death, Ronald began to experience strange things. He heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. Water dripped inexplicably from pipes and walls. Most troubling of all was that his mattress would suddenly move. Disturbed, Ronald's family sought the help of every expert they knew. The family consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and their local Lutheran minister, but they were no help. The minister suggested that the family seek the assistance of the Jesuits. Father E. Albert Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superior's permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February of 1949. The church granted Hughes' request. For the exorcism, Hughes strapped the boy to the mattress and began his recitations. But he had to stop the rite when Ronald broke off a piece of mattress spring and slashed the priest across his shoulders, leaving the exorcism unfinished. 
A few days later, red scratches appeared on the boy. One of the scratches formed the word Lewis, which indicated to Ronald's mother that the family needed to go to St. Louis, where the Hunklers had family, to find a way to save their son. A cousin of the family was attending St. Louis University at the time of Ronald's struggles. She put the Hunklers in touch with Father Walter H. Holleran and Reverend William Bowdern. After consulting with the university's president, these two Jesuits agreed to perform an exorcism on young Ronald with the help of several assistants. The men gathered at the residence on Roanoke Drive in early March of 1949. These exorcists witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. These were the same types of things that had happened in Maryland when the first exorcism failed. Amid these bizarre happenings, Bowdern and Halloran, according to the reports, notice a pattern in Ronald's behavior. He was calm and normal during the day, but at night, after settling in for bed, he would exhibit strange behavior, including screaming and wild outbursts. Ronald would also enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priest also said they saw objects mysteriously flying in the boy's presence and noticed that he would react violently when he saw any sacred object presented by the attending Jesuits. All of these details from the true story of the exorcist made it into the film, but there were more that didn't. At one point during this week's long ordeal, Bowdern reportedly saw an X appear in scratches on Ronald's chest, which the priest believed signified the number 10. In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked down towards his ankle. These types of things happened every night for more than a month. Once, a red X appeared on Ronald's chest, leading the priests to believe he was possessed by ten demons. The two priests never gave up as they continued the exorcism night after night. On the evening of March 20th, the exorcism reached an unhealthy new level. Ronald urinated all over his bed and began shouting and cursing at the priest. Now, Ronald's parents had had enough. They took him to Alexane Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for a more serious treatment. Finally, on April 18th, a miracle occurred in Ronald's room at Alexian Brothers. It was the Monday after Easter, and Ronald awoke with seizures. He yelled at the priest, saying that Satan would always be with him. The priests laid holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and rosaries on the boy. At 10.45 p.m. that evening, the attending priest called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Ronald's body. They shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Ronald's soul. Seven minutes later, Ronald came out of his trance and said, He's gone. The boy recounted how he had a vision that St. Michael vanquished Satan on a great battlefield. According to Bowdern and Halloran, the strange occurrences and behavior ceased after that, 
and despite providing the true story of the exorcist, Ronald Hunkler went on to live a completely normal life from that moment forward. Well guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode, and if so, go ahead and subscribe so that you may be notified of all other future episodes. And remember, I do have an Etsy shop called Laura Jean Candles. I sell intention candles for love, success, protection. So go ahead and check them out. And if you want to support the podcast, that's one way that you can do it. And I would truly appreciate it. And if you simply want to make a small donation, you can do so at www.mysteriesbeyond.com. Also, follow us on social media, on Facebook at Mysteries Beyond, and or on Instagram at lauralavender.mb. And lastly, if you have any questions or any feedback, or if there's simply anything that you just feel like sharing, you can email me at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode.